Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We do have a really special show tonight. I've, I've got a couple of uh, awesome guests on here. First off, I've got uh, Vaughn Kenyon, who is a uh, social media friend of mine. We talk about IndyCar racing a lot. Um, Vaughn is an excellent IndyCar photographer. He's from a race family. Uh, so, Vaughn, um, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, my other guest tonight is um, some folks call him the greatest midget racing driver ever. Uh, you know, some folks call him the king of midgets. Vaughn, you just call him dad. But, uh, you know, welcome to the show. Mel Kenyon, uh, the king of midgets, true legend of racing. Mel, so pleased to have you on the show tonight. It's really good to be with you all. Oh, thank you so much. Now, Mel, you've had a, a, a very... A uh, long life and a long career. I mean, you were still racing into your 70s, um, and you've, uh, you know, you've probably forgotten more race wins than most guys would like to have. I think by the tally I was trying to figure up, you've got close to 400 feature wins. You've, you've got a handful of championships. You're in three different Hall of Fames, um, and, and just, you know, widely recognized as, number one, one of the early tough guys of racing. And um, just just a fantastic guy that was hard to beat on the track. But but what I want to ask you in, in your long career is that is there one particular phase of your career uh, that stands out as as more enjoyable than the rest, or or has it just been fantastic the whole time? Well, it's been pretty fantastic all the way, except for the fact that uh, any time you can win one of those hot dog races like Turkey Night, it's always good at, at Agajanian's place. And uh, actually. Uh, to be inducted into the International Hall of Fame and the National Hall of Fame the same year is pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Now, Vaughn, um, a lot of uh, guys that are from racing families, sometimes they haven't had the opportunity to see um, you know, their, their father compete. Um, and I know, Vaughn, you're just a little bit younger than I am, uh, which means that you missed out on, like, the some of Mel's career, but at the same time, he kept driving until he was in his 70s. So what was it like growing up in the, in the racing family and being at the racetrack all the time? And, and did you ever just want to say, Pops, or, uh, what, when are you going to stop as you're getting old? Uh, no, I never asked. Never did ask that question. But, uh, it, it, was, it was fun growing up, going to the racetracks and seeing the different uh, countries and states that we visited to go to the races. We uh, we had an interesting, kind of a unique childhood, I guess. Um, uh, it was good. I got to experience a lot of stuff that uh, other kids my age didn't get to experience. So it was a nice time. Yeah, and it's, it's led to your love of racing that you still hold today. Uh, you know, I see you're very... Very active on social media now. I, I see that you're a regular fixture at the Indy 500. I've seen some of your uh, 
some of your photographs, uh, some of your albums, uh, really good stuff. Uh, so how did you, um, you know, come to this love of photography and, and where are you help, hoping to take this? We, uh, my mom was a very artistic person on her side of the family as well. And she was, she did oil painting and uh, sculptures. And uh, my side of the artistic coin was photography. I've always enjoyed that. Back before digital cameras, it wasn't uh, feasible with the film and the developing and all that stuff. But uh, now with the digital cameras, uh, you know, the ability to edit on the computer and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's really a fun hobby to have. <laughs> I enjoy oh. photographing no matter what we, what, whatever I'm watching or on vacation or whatever, I photograph about everything I go to anymore. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your stuff. It's really nice work. I saw that recently you'd, um, post some stuff from the Cincinnati Zoo, which is one of my favorite places to hang out at. My daughter loves the zoo, so, uh, I mean, it looks, oh, like, yeah. it looks like you had a great time there. So, um, now, Mel, I, I want to talk to you about safety in racing. Now, now you you drove during a ve- very dangerous time, right? And there's been a lot of safety innovation that has came, you know, along through the way. And it seemed like some of the latest things, like particularly this windscreen they want to put on the cars. Is, is drawing a bit of backlash from fans. And, and one of the arguments I hear from some of these fans who don't get in a car and drive it are that, the, you know, the drivers know the risks and they should handle the risks. Now, now, and they feel like today's drivers are soft. Now, you're you're one of the tough guys. You, you've survived some, some, you know, heck of a crashes and, and devastating injury and continue to drive. So what's, I mean, what's your thought on, you know, today's drivers? And, I mean, is it right for folks to say drivers know the risks or do you feel like safety is important in that? Well, actually, uh, drivers do know the risk, but then on the other hand, we've been involved with a lot of the up, uh, if you will, the innovations of safety equipment, like uh, with my bonfire, of course, in a race car, um, steering wheels didn't come off at that time and so they couldn't get me out of the car now they all come off so that was the first one and then we had the first roll cage on a midget and uh, one of the first ones at the indianapolis motor speedway and that was great too except it slowed us down we took the cage off and went eight mile an hour faster <laughs> so, uh, and, and then also too the helmet restraints uh i tried to throw my head off at uh at Winchester, Indiana, the 150 mile hour sudden stop, and now they have helmet restraints. And so, um, and the devices, of course, to my fire suit at that time was a, was a 10 second suit, and I was in the fire for three minutes. So now, of course, the suits last up to five minutes, and uh, you don't try to throw your heads off anymore like we used to. <laughs> and yeah, steering wheels come off so you can get out of a race car quick, and it just kind of all developed after something happened to me, which is unfortunate, yet fortunate. <laughs> yeah, now, speaking of your, your injuries from, from Langhorn, um, this, you've, you've earned the nickname Miraculous Mel uh, because your recovery was nothing short of miraculous. Um, and, and I've noticed that, yep, you know, yeah. over the years when we, when we see a, a driver get injured, a lot of times they will beat that timetable of returning to the race. And I know that you, you give a lot of credit to um, strong Christian belief and prayer, and I don't I don't discount that at all. 
uh, because we all know that's very powerful. But is there something different about the psyche of a race car driver? And because I, I find race car drivers to be tremendous athletes and and have tremendous, uh, you know, um, just mental powers. Uh, so uh, do you feel there's anything to that? Well, actually, uh, when I I was ready to die for the third time after I got burnt, 60% burnt, 40% third degree, and uh, and my wife, of course, uh, led me to the Lord. She says there was somebody that could help me, and uh, and so I turned what was left of my life over to the Lord and uh, asked him to do with it what he wanted, not what I wanted. And I waddled out of that hospital in three months instead of nine months, and <laughs> back in a recar in six months instead of... And instead of in the hospital, in a race car in six months, back in India in eight months. So that's kind of fantastic when the doctor said I was going to be there nine months. So that was fantastic and a real miracle. And so it's a, it's it's great to uh, be able to recover quick. I still have a lousy trouble with my neck now because because of that trying to throw my head off. But <laughs> it's a. Uh, you have to put up with all kind of all that stuff, like learning how to work without any fingers on the left hand or thumb, and adjusting to various circumstances. And with the Lord's help, it's really been great. And so I just talking with Billy Graham and, and and able to talk with Billy Graham, Tom Landry, and a whole lot of important people around New Zealand, Australia, and Canada in this country. So that's fantastic too. Uh, yeah. Now, oh, it is. It's truly fantastic. Now, Seth, Seth, you have a question. I actually have a couple. Uh, Frank, I know you said that you wanted to stick with more of the more modern stuff, but I actually oh, wait, have we can, we can, about we can talk about whatever history. whatever we like. Uh, Go right ahead, Seth. Mel, your career started in the 1950s, and you actually competed in what was NASCAR's midget division briefly. You won the final championship there. Uh, what was that uh, series like compared to the USAC midget division? Well, it's a gathering also, just like the Turkey Night Races gathering of all the champions. A lot of people come to the, the gathering there in, in Daytona, a little quarter-mile dirt track that we used to run on, and then we spread out and run on a whole lot of different tracks in Florida. In our cold weather, the warm weather there, hopefully. <laughs> but nevertheless, it, it was great to be able to run at these various different racetracks and, uh, and then do this. In fact, the first race car we built, we won 54 features in USAC in four years with that thing, so that turned out well, too. Why do you think most NASCAR fans, or race fans in general, uh, don't know that there was a NASCAR midget division? Uh, a lot of the defunct series they don't know about, yet they know about, say, the convertible division. Well, that's true. It's uh, Various gatherings have disappeared, and... Uh, we haven't been able to go to Florida to race now. I had to quit driving when I was 75 years old, so I haven't been able to go. Uh, in fact, it's like we spent 24 years in New Zealand, Australia, racing over there, so that's fantastic, too. And their warm weather was was cold. <laughs> and so it's always great to be able to do things other people can't do. And, Vaughn, for you, uh, recently Bubba Wallace has uh, embraced his hobby of photography at the track, uh, would you encourage him or other drivers not only to do, say, photography for NASCAR, but also IndyCar, even hopping over uh, to one of the races you're shooting? Oh, yes. Uh, it's a fun hobby, and 
if you enjoy doing it, then yeah, go ahead and you know, give it a go. And uh, it's um uh, I I'm very happy when I'm snapping pictures no matter what it is that I'm photographing. So Mel Obviously, you know, the, the era that where, where you were racing was, was some people consider the sort of golden era of, of, of motor racing long, long before my time. Um, and I guess it was the, the concept where, you know, the drivers would go out and they'd drive anything that had four wheels or two wheels in, in some cases, you know, from from my area. You know, I think of guys like Jim Clark that would, uh, you know, go out and drive anything. And, you know, they, they just had a love for the sport and it was it was probably a little bit less serious and a little bit less regimented as, as it is today, where, of course, the drivers are very much um, a PR um, and corporate tool as much as they are a driver. But obviously, for the guys in these days, the financial rewards are, are very high. Do you sort of, you know, do you wish you'd been around and racing today or are you happy with uh, the experiences that you had uh, uh, in your era? Well, actually, uh, we pitted, actually, our garage was right next to Jim Clark's at the Speedway, so that was kind of nice. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And uh, it's uh, it was more fun then. Yeah. When you had to learn how to keep the car under you before ground effects and wings and so forth yep. and still do well. And so everything has been an, an assistance in going faster, if you will. We used to catch the race car every now and then and, and keep it under us and, and finish the race. And nowadays, if you uh, have to catch the race car, it's almost too late at the speedway. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the wall like we're going so fast through the corners nowadays that uh, it's hard to catch those things. You may catch a small wiggle, but boy, catching a race car when it jumps out is, is impossible. Now, I wanted to talk about, as long as we're talking about racing at the Indy 500, I've watched some old film of, of some of your races, both midget races and Indy 500. And I, I've noticed that you have a very different driving style uh, in the Indianapolis-style cars than you do in the midget cars. You, you're, you, you appear to be a lot more uh, aggressive in the midgets and, and, and a lot smoother and consistent in the um, in the, the champ-style cars. So uh, is that because you're driving somebody else's equipment, or is it or is it just the way the, the, the car behaves and you're just more comfortable than that midget throwing it around like that? <laughs> well, actually, uh, you have to get carried away in a midget every now and then, and, and you're able to save it, if you will. But uh, even at the Indy cars, uh, you used to be able to save one, and, and now, of course, it's seldom possible. But uh, everything is involved into more and more speed, and... Uh, even in a midget, you know, we go 175 mile an hour uh, down the straightaway with a midget, and we average up to 142 mid, uh, mile an hour with a midget on a mile track, so that's fantastic, too. Uh, those little cars are kind of nervous on the big tracks, but then again, it's it's kind of a fun thing <laughs> and to be able to, to drive a midget in various racetracks, even road courses around the country. That's That's kind of fantastic also. Now, is there any particular track that has just stood out as been your favorite? Well, after uh, 394 feature wins, I kind of... <laughs> but there's 632 second and third places, so a lot of those I should have won, but I did not. Well, so now you've, other than just being fantastic a driver, now you and your brother built cars, and, and Mel Kenyon midget cars were... Uh, you've had guys named Mario and AJ and 
Johnny Rutherford, uh, as well as more contemporary guys like um, Jeff Gordon and even, even Ryan Newman. Yeah, so uh, uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, building the cars and, and the process and and kind of how how that feeds into the, the racing career because uh, your, your cars were second to none at some places. Well, in fact, our cars are a little different than most. Uh, our roll cages are uh, taller, oh, taller, if you will, higher in the air than the national cars. Our cockpits are longer than the most uh, race cars, and so even drivers up to 250 pounds can climb into our midgets and still win their races. So the big thing about our midgets now is they have a motor, uh, two, uh, 100 and uh, 115 horsepower as a rule, and maybe 125 horsepower. And against you're running against the 385 horsepower cars, but on certain racetracks, uh, like a Tony Stewart race at the Speedrome Indianapolis, uh, a 75 lapper, four of our <laughs> minor horsepowered cars finished in the top 10 against all the national cars. So that's kind of fantastic too. They really go through the corners quickly. Yeah, that's good stuff. Now, now my good friend Gray Warren, who's uh, grown up in racing and worked in NASCAR for years, has joined us on the call here. And Gray, you've got a question for Mel or Vaughn? Yeah, yeah, Mel. Honored to talk with you tonight. Um, yeah, I just you know, back in back in your time, uh, you and your peers um, started and ran midgets and ran champ cars, and it was all kind of building up to. Uh, Getting to run, uh, uh, USAC run the, run the Indy 500 and run the Indy style cars. Today's, it seems that, and that was kind of the road to Indy back then. It seems that has changed today with today's drivers that that, that entrance into Indy car racing has, has somewhat changed and it's not as traditional as it was with guys coming up through the midget and, and, uh, and, and dirt car ranks, these guys are coming from more uh, uh, of a more of a road course uh, background. What's what's your feeling on, on that, and, and how how it's changed over the years? Well, actually, um, you had to be more of a uh, not only know your race car, know what to change when you came in, <laughs> and which I always had to do. I set the cars up all the way from the go karts through the Indy cars, and uh, and so you came in and you knew what to change. Now you have to talk to the kids, if you will, and get an idea of what's happening. And, and maybe they don't really know what to tell you. And so you have to kind of visualize. And 98% of the time it's right, but I can't always adjust it on mm-hmm. the right path. But, again, it's uh, because it's gotten so uh, fantastic uh, with the speed, and, and not only in NASCAR, but Indy cars and midgets, too, for that matter. But... Uh, it's how quick you can get around the four corners and back to the start-finish line almost everywhere, except uh, it's not as much fun as it used to be. Back before we had all the wings and ground effects, it was more fun, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the midget drivers, if you will, had a chance to, to gain uh, a stature in the bigger equipment. Nowadays, it's uh, how heavy your pocketbook is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. You bring a sponsor. Let me let me ask you this too. But, uh, a lot of your contemporaries uh, from back in the day, Foyt, uh, 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 Andretti, McCluskey, the Unsers, all those guys, 
that that came up in the in, in, in you guys raced week in and week out. A lot of those guys made forays into stock cars. Of course, USAC had a thriving stock car division uh, back in those days. Did you ever get the itch to 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 jump in one of the taxi cabs and, and run? Yeah, I did over in Australia. Actually, uh, I had a chance to drive a late model over there and. Uh, I thought I watched him go, and I thought, sure, he had fast steering in there. And <laughs> I climbed into his race car, and I could go as fast as he could, but I had to hang on to my left hand on that pin and mm-hmm. do that way, and I could never drive. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 100 laps that way. <laughs> and so I had to uh, back out, and I climbed into a modified, and now we won everything in the modified uh, from the U.S. over there in Australia. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's to the point, if you can shuffle the steering wheel in your hands, which I cannot do, uh, I'm limited to what I can drive. And, and the, the late models, mm-hmm. you have to be able to shuffle the steering wheel in order to catch the darn things, and so right. I can't do that. Question, just question for you, for you both here, both Vaughn um, and Mel. And this is just on, on the, the state of racing today. Now you've, uh, the, like I said, now 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 Vaughn, you're just a little younger than me, and and Mel, you've been in racing, uh, you know, since the '40s. So, uh, you know, a lot of folks will say like auto racing is on a decline, tennis is down. Um, but but at the same time, I think there's really good product out there. But what are what are your thoughts on the state of racing today, all the way from you know from the grassroots midgets all the way up to the major series? And whichever you guys want to go first, go ahead, jump in. Well, actually, I I think you're right. Uh, there's very not as much interest. It used to be a guy wanted to drive a race car and he was willing to jump into almost anything to get the experience. And uh, nowadays, uh, there's not as much interest. In fact, a lot of t- you can start when our midgets now, full midget, if you will, at 12 years old. I had to wait till I was 21, and uh, now the kids get out of the race car, if you will, take out their cell phones, sit down, and play with their phones for a while. Oh, it's time to get back in. <laughs> and it's a different world. <laughs> hey, trust me. Interest, if you will. Some of the guys, some of the guys that I've worked with, do the same thing, and they're not kids anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're all kids, just different ages. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, now, Vaughn, Vaughn, you have thoughts on the state of racing today? Um, Yes, we. uh, I I don't go to the small tracks anymore, but uh, I watch all the NASCAR and IndyCar Formula One on TV. uh, I thought it was interesting that the Formula One race at Texas had a a record crowd in the one in Texas for NASCAR had a very um, small crowd. So I, I think Formula One and IndyCar, they're on the upswing right now. Uh, I think NASCAR is still struggling a little bit. And uh, as far as the windscreen on the IndyCar is, I, I like that better than the uh, Halo on Formula One. I think that windscreen will be uh, a good addition for next year and beyond. You know, I, I, I think the driver's helmet in Formula One anymore. All you see is the car and the halo. 
Very true. Yeah. You know, we talk about talk about how how it's declined a little bit, but I still think that uh, you know, of course, the big series are, are that are on TV a lot are uh, are suffering some, but but a lot of the small tracks, places like. Uh, in our area, Bowman Gray Stadium that has weekly shows, they they sell out every week. Places like Eldora uh, in the Midwest, they still have good, terrific crowds. Knoxville, places like that. Uh, these these weekly short track shows are are still much in demand and well attended. Actually, I think you're right. It's a certain small tracks like Anderson Speedway for the Little Five Hundred. You know, they pack that place. <laughs> But they pack the place for the bus races too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's really uh, what and enter enter what enters the, the people have to be interested in going to see that. There's so much to do nowadays, and so much things to watch and do yourself. And so you have to really pick and choose where you're going to spend your money. Yeah, a lot of competition for that entertainment dollar for sure. Very sure. Now, Mel, what are your thoughts on? Uh, because we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the future of not only the future of racing, the future of, of the automobile industry. So we're, we're you know, we're, we see more and more hybrid technology. Uh, Formula E and electric cars has a thriving series. Is, um, you know, they're, they're almost like, uh, you know, does away with the roots of the, you know, the gasoline-powered engine. But uh, do you see a, a real future in, in, in electric racing or hybrid racing as it applies to the automotive industry? That is another world completely different than what we're used to, and so it's honestly hard to say. How long is your battery life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be as to how long the events are and and how competitive they're going to be because, uh, again, battery cars are a heavy version of, a, of an automobile, and so it's it's really difficult to say what value that's going to have and the interest that it'll have. Uh, it's, uh, everything has their own following, if you will, and so if there's some interest generated for the electric cars, I imagine they will put on a good show. Something to be said for a finely tuned uh, internal combustion engine, though, the sound of it. The electric cars are quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I think it kind of takes, away, it takes a little bit away from it. I was really happy when they put mufflers on midgets. Uh, a lot of tracks require uh, a decimal reading now of 100, maybe 110. And uh, I like it because you can actually hear other cars coming. And instead of just listening to yourself, you can either hear other race cars, but they're getting close to you and wanting to pass you. And so you can actually change your style maybe to keep that from happening. That's pretty, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. And on top of that, my... My ears and hearing, if you will, are still as good as I was when I was a young kid because helmets and earphones <laughs> have kept the noise away. And so uh, my brother in the infield, he's hard of hearing now because of that fact, because uh, <laughs> all the noise. Now, Mel, you're, you're still active building race cars, and, and um, you still get to the track a lot. I know I, know I see you at Indy every year uh, on Legends Day, um, but are, do you still stay pretty busy? Um, the week well, after week at the racetrack? Yeah. We work on race cars and we take care of 10 cars, if you will, and we still haul fives. Uh, we haul for owners whose kids drive their race cars and so forth, so we get paid that way double, if you will. And uh, uh, it's uh, interesting in the fact that our cars put on a really good show, but again, 
we used to have as many as uh, 16, 18 cars, and now we're down to 10 and 12 cars, and that that's terrible. That, they put on a good show, but that sure be nice to have 16 cars again to race uh, against people. And so uh, racing today, we put on a good show, and that's what the people want to see, but again, they got to have cars out there to run. So it's getting the people interested. We just sold a race car. And we have a couple people interested, and hopefully those a couple people will buy race cars also. But we uh, and repair cars nowadays instead of little new ones. Do you guys do you guys uh, currently take cars to like the big shows, like the Chili Bowl and things like that? Uh, no, with our engines, of course, uh, 125 horse just doesn't make it down there. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard. The race car is a race car, but we still got to have a power plant. Right, exactly. Capable of getting it to the front, and uh, sixty-five thousand dollars for a Toyota motor is just out of sight. In fact, that's oh. just about killed the wow. racing. Three hundred and eighty-five horse is nice, but again, uh, my Gertie at, at three hundred and sixty-five still wins on the short tracks and so forth, but it's no good at all against the horsepower on the big race tracks. Right, I got you. Yep, everything's in cubic cubic dollars now. Oh boy, is it ever! <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to put on your talent evaluator hat, and we've had several guys that have uh, that have come from the midget ranks and have have right. come up and gone into NASCAR, which is you know where where my background is. Uh, tell us tell us how you feel about uh, guys like uh, uh, Kyle Larson and uh, and Christopher Bell and, and and guys like that who have who've come up through the midgets and things and, and have made it made it into the stock car ranks and have been pretty successful. Actually, those guys are fantastic in everything they climb into, whether it's midget sprint cars or NASCAR, if you will. Um, it's nice to be so versatile like Foyt and Andretti and uh, Unser's. Uh, they were able to do the same thing. But... Uh, uh, you got to have a name that is well that sells well, if you will, mm-hmm. to the to the public, and uh, or you got to have if you can bring a fantastic sponsor to you to any show, you can just about have a good ride. Yeah, but that sponsor has to be able to stay with you for a while, and sometimes we, that's difficult. You, you know, of course, obviously you ran you, you've run or a, a master of dirt, no no doubt, and 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 run a bunch run a bunch of dirt tracks with throughout your career. We had Mario Andretti as a guest on our show oh, a couple of years ago, and we were talking about, you know, his his experience in racing, and he, he was talking, you know, we asked him how, how he was so good in the rain when he ran the Formula One cars, and he said it all went back to his dirt track roots and learning his car control on dirt. Uh, all that translated when he got in a Formula One car and was able to uh, to to uh, be so good in the rain. Uh, tell us how, tell tell us a little bit, you know, about that. Speak to speak to that some. Well, actually, that's true. Uh, uh, we've had I think eight people from that started out in the midgets that ended up in NASCAR. But again, some of those folks have gone back to open wheel stuff too. Sponsorship is the is the big thing again, and uh, to be very versatile in various ranks of racing whether it's open wheelers or NASCAR stock cars, if you will. It's just a, a fantastic opportunity for the drivers. Uh, and you really have to push that envelope if you want to be good at anything that you do. 
uh, when we ran 90 races a year just in the midgets, that was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, now we're USAC is down to about 13 races now in dirt only, no pavement. And so we're the only group that still runs dirt and pavement with our learner cars, if you will, mm-hmm. Kenyan cars. And it's it's fantastic to be able to uh, give the drivers the opportunity, like Spencer Baston, for instance, uh, won 16 features for us one year. We only had 20 races, but he won 16 of them. Wow. <laughs> Dirt and pavement. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Where the average person wins just four or five races a year, well, he won 16. That's fantastic. Chris Windham was another good one, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just hard to say what a driver's capable of and what he wants to do. And uh, we're having trouble with the kids in the spring and the fall. Of course, they're still in school, and so their parents don't want to pull them out too often. <laughs> and uh, that, that's, that's just a, a shortage of cars again in the spring and fall. But uh, racing has to be something you really want to do in order to become good at. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it's an avenue which isn't uh, wanted as much as it used to be. Uh, Carl Larson, he's, he's another just fantastic driver. He drives everything hard and does well, and whether it's a heavy stock car or, or a sprint car and occasional midgets, a uh, chili bowl, for instance. It's just a fantastic uh, having 360 cars show up for 28 spots. <laughs> well, yeah. That's, that's unreal. Mm-hmm. We used to do the same thing in, in USAC, like Cherhold, when 140 cars showed up. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, 60th out to qualify and, and stuck it out in the weeds ended up second quick, so that turned out good. <laughs> but uh, it's fun to uh, to be able to do that. Led the race for 80-some laps, then broke an oil pump shaft, so I didn't finish. But it's uh, Dave Darwin and I are the only two drivers that have been able to win Turkey Night on dirt and pavement, so that's fantastic, too. You know, and, and I remember as a kid those big races at Terre Haute, you know, and, and getting the publicity they used to get. And like you said, you had so many cars there. It was kind of like what the Knoxville in that time was kind of like what the Knoxville Nationals are uh, yeah. in, in this in this day and time and stuff. Because that was one of the big one of the big shows. And, and uh, of course, you know, USAC ran everything on on Terre Haute. They ran the stock cars, they ran the champ cars, the midgets, and and, and uh, and, and the sprints. So yeah, that those were those were big. Let me ask you: Is Terre Haute still in still in operation? Yeah, but they run at night now. In fact, I ran the last daytime race there, and uh, uh, and again ended up really well, except for the fact I didn't finish. But uh, they run at night there now, and so the racetrack stays with them because you're not allowed to put a lot of stuff on the dirt anymore to keep it mm-hmm. moist, if you will. And so everybody is trying to keep the tires on the cars. In fact, the first time at the Chili Bowl, we just were barely able to keep tires on the car. And so we went there with harder tires the next year, and they changed the dirt to talcum powder dirt, and I needed softer tires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one never knows. Nowadays, uh, World Outlaw cars, they, they kind of end up on hard slick tracks that take rubber. And once they take rubber, then everybody goes faster. And... Uh, and you don't, yeah, the cars don't don't slip and slide like they used to. They more keep they, they more or less keep them straight on those tracks where it gets really hard and they lay down rubber, and that's the, yep. that's really the fastest way around when they when they just keep the wheels straight and they're not 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 hanging the back end out like they do on some of these tracks because really you don't you don't want to get up in the cushion. You want to stay 
stay in the groove, as it were. Yeah, you got to stay where the rubber is, and you start driving it more like pavement. Yep. And yep. You, don't, you don't get sideways too often because you just slip backwards. Yep, that's right. Yep. Now, uh, Vaughn, I know you're still with us. Now, I know you, um, your brother Bryce has driven some bridges, um, midget races as well. Have you ever hopped in a race car and driven one, or was that? Well, we, uh, my brother and I had a go kart back in the early 90s. We took turns driving that, but um, I, I ran out of money, and it, I didn't really have the burning passion to drive either, so. When I ran out of money, I never did get back into driving. My brother raced for years more, but I don't believe he races anymore uh, nowadays. Well, he'd love to, but he can't get insurance now with a family in New Zealand. <laughs> it's uh, he could get he got the car and, and the uh, sponsorship and so forth, and he he couldn't get life insurance. So, makes a difference. I imagine it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I've got one one. One question, one final question from me here. Uh, you know, obviously you mentioned all of your, you know, nearly 400 wins. Uh, you know, and I, I dread to think how many uh, how many races you entered total. But is the is the one race that stands out as the sort of the one that got away that you think you you could have and should have won? And even today, it's just that little bit of frustration for you. Well, at the Chili Bowl, again, I ran second my first race there. I should have won it, but keeping tires on that night was the big important thing. And and uh, oh, there's so many races I should have won, like at the Speedrun in Indianapolis. I led for, for uh, 46 laps out of 50, I believe, got the white flag, and we did it and did it. And the young 16-year-old blasted me in the butt right out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Kids. <laughs> <laughs> I got it caught up and, and almost passed him in three and four on the last lap, but not quite. So another one I should have won, but didn't. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you, you you've had a tremendous career. Uh, what seven seven uh, USAC midget championships and countless wins, and uh, I tell you, and, and, and inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame. So uh, you know, you've you've uh, you've pretty much done it all and seen it all. Yeah, that's very true. In fact, it's the nine different Hall of Fames, but a lot of them are fan club Hall of Fames. But nevertheless, the International and National is pretty fantastic in the same year. Uh, I got to sit with a lot of important people at those banquets. Yeah, and, 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 and then, then you got inducted into the Midget Hall of Fame and then won the right. championship the next year after you got uh, inducted, which is... <laughs> Well, we, we've had, I think, 14 national championships and, and uh, sorry, 10 national championships and four regional championships. But, uh, again, it's uh, winning the races is uh, kind of more important. It makes the most money. And uh, yep. it's uh, it's fun to run anywhere and everywhere and still have a good time. Yep, that's, and that's why you go to the track each week. You know, the cha- like you said, championships are nice, but that's a cumulative effort. But when you go to the racetrack every every week, the name of the game is to win the race. So yeah, that's, that's great. And I tell you what, you've had a you've had a terrific career, career, and all those honors and accolades are well deserved. Well, we just try hard, and, uh, and sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time it does. And so that's all we can do is thank the Lord for all of our blessings. There you go. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and speaking of thanking, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. I want to thank you, Vaughn, um, for um, for 
you know, helping set this up with your dad. And I want to thank you, Mel, for coming on and, and talking to us. So, uh, I mean, with that being said, uh, you guys got any any final thoughts before we before we let you go and continue with your day? I appreciate you asking me to come on too. I've never had the opportunity to do something like this before, and it's been fun. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Vaughn. Yeah, because I always enjoy uh, always enjoy your your photography and your um, your social media posts. So. Thank you. It's just fantastic being able to talk with all you guys, and uh, I know you guys are really uh, up on your end of the world also. And all we can say is, good day, mate. Have a jolly good time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you, Mel. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on our show tonight. We've really enjoyed it. Yes, it's been, yes, it's been fantastic. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. It's, all we can do is have a good night. Take care, fellas. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com.